Hello, and welcome to the Podcast of Power, a She-Ra and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And we are back after a week break. You know, we finished season three, we did our emails, and we just decided we needed a week off. But uh, we're back now, and we're really looking forward to starting season four. Yes, uh, it's uh, it's a nice, exciting whirlwind tour of an episode to start on. Really, it's uh, season season four, episode one, the coronation. Yeah, you know, I always talk about how season four is uh, one of my favorite seasons. I think it's a great tragedy of everyone just sort of spiraling downwards. Uh, it's got some really good episodes in it. This isn't one of them. Yeah, it's you know. The thing, the thing about the coronation is, they had to basically, <laughs> they had to basically fit all of the mourning period for Queen um, Angela into one episode, and they do a really bad job of it. A, I would say, a terrible job of it. I mean, this is what this episode was supposed to accomplish. Uh, they didn't do it well at all. No. And we will delve into the reasons why. I mean, we've we've brought up this episode several times as the worst episode of the show, um, and so far, I think that holds up. Yeah, I I think it holds up. Um, I would say there's there's a few positives. So we'll 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 do the positives first um first off glimmer's new season four look pretty sick love the new hair yeah so glimmer as as the queen now uh gets a new outfit she's got new hair she's got a new new like bodysuit thing it looks so much better than her season one to three hair i think it frames her face very well similar with her new outfit i think it looks great uh the shoulder pads are very good it just it's a it's a really good design and it really conveys how much she has matured over the course of the show yeah no her her look it's it's much more it's a little more mature it's a little more regal it's a little more refined uh you can tell um this is like this is another one of those like kind of nebulous time skips where it's i don't think it's it's like defined how much time actually passed between seasons but everyone looks just like they're a little bit older a little bit more mature a little taller even i think glimmer uh, you can see this especially with glimmer i think she's just a bit taller than she used to be um like i i would i would argue that like the the visual implication is this is like at least like half a year yeah and so if i remember correctly season one to two that's a one month gap they, they say like a month mm-hmm. um there's no gap between two and three because they're the same season yeah but season two and three kind of take place over a longer time scale it feels like than season one does um yeah but there is this kind of nebulous feeling of time passing of like they have had to uh both sides have had to lick their wounds right where you know we we we, uh, we open on on glimmer getting ready for her coronation and we also open on like hordak sulking in his lab which is still trashed presumably because he's been too depressed to fix anything yeah <laughs> so there's this feeling of everyone has just been been sort of in this pool of ennui 
uh, for it's like, yeah, maybe three months or six months or something. Maybe six months is pushing it a little bit, but everyone does look different. Everyone definitely looks a little bit different. Like, it's not like super dramatic. I, with Glimmer, it's a little dramatic, actually, because she like, like she she looks like she's had the most like visible change, I think. Um, her and her and Katra. Um, we'll, and we'll get to Catra, don't worry. We will get to Catra. But yeah, and <laughs> Hordak's look is really funny just because, like, he just kind of got a little bit gother. Like, his, his black lipstick is a little bit more defined. He kind of just looks like... There's a scene towards the end of Megamind where he's, like, having a depression moment and he's, like, going back to being a villain. And he's like, ah, oh, bring out the black mamba. And he's, like, by himself and he, like, goes like super super goth like it looks like hordak had that moment yeah i need to rewatch megamind uh, pretty like there's something about that movie that is it has it seems better than it has any real right to be yeah yeah it's not too bad it's not terrible i wonder how well it holds up but uh we can talk about this because this is another fine dreamworks product that's true we can only talk about dreamworks products on this podcast we've never mentioned anything else why we talk about so much about uh nickelodeon cartoon network shows yeah i mean those are all really just dreamworks shows they just haven't been uh acquired yet we're we're recording this 10 years in the future where dreamworks has acquired the rights to all media yeah they, they bought disney which was a real swerve i don't know how that even happened yeah um also quibi came back weird enough yeah quibi quibi came back uh they've replaced all uh television networks now all uh shows are five minutes long it's 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 a real strange place out here but uh back to the episode yeah the the so glimmer's new look is great and i think for the first bit of it the jokes and the comedy are pretty strong so we've got we've got castispella here doing like her her harried party planner thing She's juggling 45 things at once, is constantly firing people and, and pestering Glimmer with like pointless choices about how you're going to fold the napkins and, and what flower arrangements to get and how uh, what, what color the drapery is going to be. Yeah, she's also really bad at it. Like She's not good at this. At one point, she even like she she find she remembers that she fired uh, the flower arranger because, you know, Glimmer's like, hey, you fired that guy. And then Caspel just looks at Glimmer's like, oh, do you want to pick out the flowers? Like, as if, like, as if Glimmer's going to do it for her own coronation. Just, the lady's not thinking. Glimmer's the queen. Queens don't normally work on their own coronation uh, ceremonies. No, they don't. Um, But it's okay, because Glimmer has a better idea, and she's going to pick Mermista to do it. Um, which leads into uh, maybe the best joke in the episode, which is um, Remista just kind of sarcastically being like, oh yeah, flower decorating is my passion. And then Castell's like, okay, great, let's go. And then <laughs> Perfume in the background <laughs> just starts openly sobbing. She's just in pure agony. She's like, no, why? Absolutely devastated. It's uh it's quite strong however that also leads us into the main weakness of this episode which is that uh so so the basic setup is that no one wants to talk about angela around glimmer they want to pretend like everything is fine and they want to focus on making a cool party i understand i understand where they're going with this yeah however 
I think everyone is just way too tuned up, way too, like, zany for this episode. And, like, once again, as I as I talked about in, in the previous, uh, the, the, the season three finale, I get not really wanting to start season four on kind of a bummer. But also, I know where season four goes, and that would be kind of fitting. And, like, it, it just, the space needed to, for these characters to process and mourn Angela's death is taken up by, like, bits and characters being annoying for comedy purposes. Like, I, I just think it was a poor choice to start off. It was a really bad choice. It's just like, uh, it's like, I get it, right? Like, this is your flagship death in the show. This is the, this is the big dramatic character death that, you know, is like, you have this, you know, this mom character and you develop her over three seasons and then you kill her off. And this is like a big deal. And you don't necessarily want to immediately lead in with some super downer stuff like you know nominally this show is like a more like comedic adventure like this this show skews for like a younger teen audience right like you don't want to get too dark with it right out the gate but at the same time it's like i don't know it feels it's like it almost feels a little insulting um just it feels like the like the show doesn't like think that the people watching it are interested in having that kind of exploration and would rather like open up on something lighter and i think that's like a big misstep i think that this is definitely like a space that needed to be explored because like this is this is the show's flagship character death you have to have a amount of space for the characters to mourn this person and they just don't get it like the only person in this episode who actually gets to have an emotional reaction for real is glimmer and it's only towards the end adora kind of gets a little bit of one which we'll go into a little more later but like it's mostly just glimmer who gets to and it's not even that in depth it's just like a just a touch of it and i don't know it's it's just it's it feels like somebody at some point looked at this story in pre-production and decided that it was too dark and tried to pull back on the reins and i think it would have been way better if they didn't do that yeah, like, Adora starts off the episode clearly being uncomfortable with talking about Angela and not wanting to bum Glimmer out with it. And that makes sense for her and, and her and Bo, like, they're their thing. I don't know why everyone else is acting like this. Everyone else is just acting like a real jerk all of the time. Yeah. Frosta seems to be the only one aware of anything. And also, like, she is... 11 or or so like probably around like 13 at this point she is she of course she would not really have the emotional chops to handle this and so she would default to like oh well glimmer i don't want glimmer to feel sad so i'm going to be very very sort of uh 
loud and happy and loudly happy. Yeah, but no, actually, she's the only person who seems to get, hey, we need to, like, back off and Glimmer needs some space and, like, she's really sad and people need to not be bugging her. And, like, I mean, she's kind of a rambunctious little kid, so she's not doing a great job of that, but, like, she kind like, she gets it. And everybody else who's, like, an adult just doesn't. Like, you have... I don't know. It's it's just... You have, like, Mermista and Perfuma arguing about who gets to do the flowers. And Perfuma should probably be someone who understands this. And I understand that none of these other characters really had the same emotional connection with Angela that Adora or Glimmer have, right? She was just their boss for the most part. But, like, I don't know. It's just... It, it, everyone else's characters suffer for the cause of being funny and all of this sort of comes to a head like at the at the mid like the midpoint of the episode where everyone's just yelling at each other swiftwind is singing like it's this complete cacophony um and and that is what causes glimmer to just you know tell everyone to be quiet and uh walk off to do the quest and like i just that there needed to be less of that and it is i yeah once again i get it these are, they're supposed to be annoying at the moment. What I don't understand is why most of them are being annoying. Exactly. Like, so, I don't know. Like, I, I get why Frosta is acting the way she is. I feel like she's acting okay. I think Swiftwind being kind of a funny animal, like, that's fine. I, I think that's fine. Um... Like, Adora being really high-strung and trying to, like, distract Glimmer, I think that makes sense. But that's where it ends. Like, like, Mermista, right? She's... It just, it feels really weird for her to be acting this way. She's, like, she isn't, like, the most emotionally intelligent, but, like, she gets stuff. And she also is, like, actively maybe the least annoying uh, person on like the princess squad right and then you have uh perfuma who is basically the team therapist you would think that she would be a little bit more kind of in tune with stuff and then Bo, i would argue is literally the most emotionally intelligent person in bright moon and he also is like completely just not thinking like he's and and it's not like I'm not trying to be a, a friggin' cinemasins about it, okay? I'm like I get the the mechanics of why this is happening. I don't mean it in like a plot hole kind of way. I just mean like from a narrative perspective, it doesn't work. Like it just doesn't work to have these characters be filling these narrative roles in the story. I just don't think that it's a good way to be utilizing them in this situation. I don't think that having the entire supporting cast basically take on this like annoying infighting role for this, I just don't think it works. Like if you wanted to have some some like real friction going on, I think you could have easily done it where you had like these multiple different approaches to trying to comfort Glimmer, right? Like you could have 
um, some of the characters being really annoying. Uh, and then you have like Adora trying to like distract her, and then you'd have like I don't know like like Bo and Perfuma trying to like like armchair therapist or whatever. Like I think that they could have done that in such a way as that like pulling Glimmer in like three or four different directions and like trying to make her feel better in their own ways and then her just being like no listen I need to I need to grieve and mourn in my own way on my own time and I don't need all of this pushiness like that would have worked really well I think like you wouldn't have even had to change that much fundamentally about the like structure of the episode you could still keep it functionally the same but there would be more substance to it you would get more of a sense that all of these characters are trying to cope with trauma like a traumatic event that just happened as opposed to just a bunch of bits and gags it like it, it wouldn't have taken that much a- extra effort but like it just didn't get put in yeah it feels weird to have everyone be super into planning this thing when like we haven't seen a lot of that from these other characters. Like, I, I don't really even know why they're... I mean, I guess they're here for the coronation, but I don't know why so many of them just keep getting involved and, like, volunteering for this stuff. Uh, also, Shadow Weaver is just kind of walking around. Yeah, Shadow Weaver is just here now. Like, like Adora runs into her in the hallway, and she's like, Guest. What are you doing here? And Shadow Weaver's like, I'm a guest now, didn't you hear? Last time we <laughs> saw her, they gave her an armchair and a book. And now she just gets to walk around. Also, her mask is fixed. Now, that that let, let's focus on that for a minute. Because, you know, we, we always talk about Shadow Weaver's mask. And how important it is symbolically to her character. That's true. This means that she is back to her old ways officially now. Yes, it does. Like, she is walking around... She is actively trying to get into Glimmer's favor, and she is back to being Shadow Weaver. There are no there are no gaps in her facade anymore. Nope. She's fixed the mask. She has fixed the mask. It is firmly adorned upon her face, and she is she is ready to insert herself into the machinery of Bright Moon. She's ready to slip in like uh, the finest oiled cog in the clock. We'll see how that pans out as we move forward. I bet nothing bad will happen. No, this is a season where only good things happen. So let's get to the quest. Yes. So Glimmer, as a part of the coronation ceremony, has to go to the caverns beneath Bright Moon and do like a quest, like a ritual quest that every queen must do. Uh, You need a robe, you need a lantern. And so she takes... Uh, Bo and Adora, who for some reason are dressed in formal wear, um, for this quest. Well, I mean, I, I they're they are at a party, but also you can like change into the formal wear after you get done with the quest. I feel like what if you because they have to fight something, and I don't know. It just seems really uncomfortable to like fight a worm in formal wear. Well, to be fair, to be fair, if you're gonna fight in formal wear, I feel like Bo and Adora's formal wear is actually like pretty fightable right like Bo has like a suit on but like he specifically has like a tummy cut out and like short sleeves and then Adora just doesn't have sleeves so like that's true I mean not not terrible for fighting in I mean I still wouldn't but like if you're gonna I mean honestly uh the one who has the who has the least like battle ready outfit right at this point is probably Glimmer with that big robe no, yeah, the big robe is probably, like, 
the least fight inable thing possible, especially because it just kind of hangs on her like a like a tent. Yeah, so they they're going down into the caves, um, and Adora is still trying to keep her thing going. Uh, you know, she's still very high strung, keeping a smile on her face and all of that stuff. Um, but this this is where Glimmer finally like snaps. Yeah, and just like she chucks the like lantern down the hall and is like, "Why are you acting like this? You're pretending like nothing is wrong and nothing has happened." And that they they find this cavern, they find a big worm. Uh, they 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 get cornered by the large worm. Who, by the way, what an adorable worm! Really cute worm. Big fan of this worm. I I think the the design of the worm is really cool. Uh, it's very cute. It's got a big blue eye. It's it's great. It's a great little animal. Importantly, uh, it is seemingly completely organic. We uh, you know the the, the first ones creatures definitely look away they look very mechanical uh but this thing it's got teeth it's got slime it's it moves in a way that is much more organic yeah no it's it is this is a this is a magical creature uh through and through in fact i think we see like visually similar animals um during whiteout but i uh, believe they were much more mechanical looking so i i feel like um biomimicry stuff is going on like i feel like the first ones kind of built machines to kind of mimic already like extant magical creatures as opposed to like kind of designing their own stuff which which makes a lot of sense i think yeah and so they get trapped in this little cave uh by the worm and this is where uh glimmer finally has her full breakdown and she starts crying about like uh, no one is treating angela like well like like she's gone and no one's talking about her and they're just pretending like nothing happened. Um, this is what salvages any part of this episode, pretty much. Uh, the, this section of it is is just we we need some catharsis here, and this there is finally space to get a bit of it. Not enough, uh, not as much as we need, but we can get some of it at the very least. Yeah, like this is th- this scene is good. I actually really enjoy this scene. I think that um, I think largely this scene is is really strong. They kind of they give Glimmer a little bit of breathing room to mourn. They give um, Adora a little bit of breathing room to also mourn. Bo doesn't really get any, honestly. But like at least kind of the two principal characters here um do get to which is i mean it's better than nothing um i also really like the detail of having um glimmer refuse to recharge because she doesn't want to have that sort of final like admittance that her mom is gone for good because like you know for her just the her powers and her connection to the moonstone is so heavily connected to her mom like so much of that has has been like this this spiritual connection that the two of them have shared basically um her entire life and you know the the idea of her being gone and and taking that power for herself is like a really big deal for her and i think that's a really good touch as well 
Yeah, that is a very real thing, right? Like if a relative passes away or someone you really care about and you have to like go clean up their house or something, there is a finality to this. Um, there are the, these last lingering worldly touches that you just don't want to... There, There's a part that you just don't want to mess with. And, and, uh, and if you do, it's like, well, then I'm admitting that they're, they're, they're gone forever. Yeah, it's like when you... You know, and it's and it's especially like it's especially weird when you lose a parent too. Like it's 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 there there's always like that that part where you're like there's always that one last thing that, you know, if you if you do this last thing, it's you you know for sure that they're gone forever. And so you, you put that off as long as possible, sometimes way longer than is is reasonable to do so it's 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 a it's a very real thing it's a very real thing i wish more of this episode dealt with things like that yeah yeah because like the the characters in this show i think are just they're very largely speaking obviously there's just foibles and fumbles here and there but i think largely speaking they're very human and I think that there's a lot of emotional beats that get hit that feel very real. And I don't know, it's a real missed opportunity that they didn't like leverage that for this, you know, this thing, this, this death of a parent situation. Yeah. And then they fight the worm. The the worm fight looks good. I think there's a lot of really good bits of animation there. Uh, like Bo sort of strafing around it, firing arrows yeah, love that bit. That bit's really good. Um, then Glimmer finally plugs the lamp in, and she gets uh, she gets a very cool power up sequence where she like fully connects with the Moonstone. I wish these big energy wings came back later because they look sick. God, right? Like that would be so cool if she had like a moment where she had like those big energy wings. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. I know exactly where I would want it to be as well, but I can't talk about that because it's season five. Yeah. But this is when a presumably pre-recorded message of Angela pops up. This is a this is a weird one. So I don't think it's actually her because there's no like conversation. Like she's not responding to anything. Yeah, this isn't like a two-way communication situation. This is definitely like pre-recorded or at least one-sided, but like it's also kind of some of the things she says aren't like direct references to her death, but they're also like they are kind of I don't, it's it's a little weird. I guess you can assume that, you know, she would have something lined up for her death. Yeah, presumably when you when you're a leader in wartime, you are thinking about that stuff, especially when your daughter is next in line to be queen. So I think it would make sense that she would have recorded this at some point, knowing that eventually she would either have to step down or maybe something would happen to her. It is it is a good scene, but and once again, yes, this this is a, a, a kid show what have you, but still the everything is tied up a bit too neatly with angela at the end of this episode yeah it's 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 so just like it's just like the 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 message ends she's like i love you mom and then yep done wiping her hands clean angela wrapped up put a bow on that ship it off 
we're good. Don't don't need to touch that one again. And it's just like, uh, and it's so odd because there are several other points in the show where we do see characters continually struggling with stuff, um, with trauma. Like I don't know, we'll, we'll get to it in season five. But even even throughout this season, there are things that keep getting brought up. But for some reason, Angela is just not a subject they're really willing to delve that deeply into. Yeah, it's it's just it's weird, and I I wonder. Like, the fact that it's so... The fact that it's a subject that they are just so unwilling to touch, it, like, it makes me feel like... Like, like somebody on production, or or multiple people, or if somebody in, in, in the producer's chair, like, really didn't want them to, like, go into this that deep. Because it's really weird that they wouldn't there's so much heavy subject matter that takes place in this show that like death of a parent seems like it wouldn't be that far removed but i i don't know it feels like another one of those like meddling things like like that someone told them to pull back on this this is a you know let's let's compare it to another fine dreamworks product avatar the last airbender um Reminder, 10 years in the future. Like, that is a the show that deals a lot with, like, dead parents and such. Like, characters are dealing with that for the whole show. It keeps coming up. But here, it's... It, it is... Why they wipe their hands of it for the most part. I think there's some a little bit of things that come up later. But nothing to the extent that I think really should have been explored. Ex- extremely, extremely. Like, nothing... Nothing with, like... There's there's a there's a couple of bits, and we're we're going to talk actually about one very specific bit that does kind of carry through um, once we get into the spoiler zone. But like, for the most part, yeah, just almost nothing carries through. And like, I, like the two most principal characters, I feel like need that need to grapple with this death, um, Katra and Glimmer. Neither of them do, and it is so weird that they don't. It's very bizarre, especially as the show goes on. Uh, speaking of Catra, though, let's get to the second part of this episode, the kind of very light B-plot. Very short segments here, but uh, this is... We're, we're talking about Catra now. So Catra is, like, basically extremely impatient because the Horde has just been sitting around for an, an innocent period of time. Could be a couple of days, could be several months. But, like... She's, she's trying to get Hordak to do something, and he is just content to say, well, I already contacted Horde Prime, so, like, why bother? So it'll all be over eventually, so let's just kind of sit around and wait. Yeah, he's, he's just kind of sulking in the remnants of his lab, eating ice cream, and just just being sad as hell. And... He, does not, he does not react well. When Catra talks about Entrapta, nope, uh, don't talk an about that. Matter. Um, <laughs> and just like I told you never to say her name again, uh, and and also, and as we see later, Catra doesn't like Entrapta being brought up either. Um, surely this means nothing. So yeah, but after that, so Hordak sends her away, and then she goes to see Scorpia, who is clearing out all of Entrapta's stuff from her lab. And, man, Scorpia is. Um... Ooh, this is this is the start of Scorpia's. Um, well, 
she's not having a good time. No, chiefly because this is the meanest Catra has ever been. Season four Catra is a, is a is a version of this character we've brought up several times. She is extremely mean. She she is actually like actively horrible in season four, like really horrible. And you really start out on on that note here with with this scene with Scorpia because Scorpia is like you know you you didn't really mean to throw our throw our friend on a boat to be exiled and maybe die. I mean. You you didn't mean that, and you know she was just trying to help, and you you were just you just got scared, and it's okay. And then Catra's like, no, no, I meant to do that, and also she wasn't right. And if you ever say she was right again, something bad will happen to you. And meanwhile, she says this, she's scraping massive claw marks into the wall directly next to her face. It's it's pretty brutal. Catra wants to let you know that she doesn't feel regret about anything at all, and if you suggest that she does, she will uh, slash your face off. Yeah. She isn't uh, guilty about anything. It's shut up. No, yeah. Catra is desperately deep in denial right now, and the way she's coping with that is she's going to hurt everyone around her as hard as possible and in as dramatic a way as possible which i'm sure is going to go really well (laughs) yeah so let's get into the third scene here so um hordak walks back into his throne room catra's sitting in his big stupid chair purring and in his big stupid chair she's purring she's also got a brand new look just like glimmer yes and it's a it's a strong new look she has traded this sort of bodysuit unitard for a like she's got one sl- one black leather sleeve. She's got like knee high boots on. I mean, you can't even really call them boots. They're kind of just toeless socks. This is a girl who doesn't wear shoes. They're like toeless socks. She's got like a chest diamond. She's it, it's a powerful look. And she just clowns on Hordak. Yes. Also, you'll note the face mask bigger. Yes, the face mask is bigger, and also she <laughs> she greets she greets Hordak with the first and I believe only "Hey Hordak." Um, it's a it's a very like over the top like "Hey Hordak." Yeah, she's been practicing this in the mirror for sure. <laughs> She's been really going for it. This is also the start of Catra's arms being drawn significantly more muscularly. Oh no, yeah, she's like dramatically buffer. Um, it's she's been lifting to try and keep the <laughs> keep the guilt away, presumably. Oh man, she's also got gloves. Um, and most importantly, she's got a haircut. Now, haircuts are important for characters. Uh, a lot of times so and you might be you might look at this one and say well what's that much different she just kind of smoothed it back and that's one part of it however she's uh the whole show she's had these sort of lighter tufts of fur near her ears that she's had since she was a child these these sort of baby tufts they look much lighter and much softer this is also 
uh, in particular, the uh, the fur that Shadow Weaver, you know, d- d- touched in the uh, in the in the prison cell when she was trying to manipulate Catra. Yes, it is, and you will note it's not there. It's gone. She cut it off. Um, she is basically closing away all of her vulnerabilities. She is putting on an air of professionalism. She has smoothed because Catra's hair has always has always been very wild and, and very frizzy. She has smoothed it down. It is it is much more controlled. It is like kind of smoothed behind the mask. Yes. And she has also picked up a tick where after one of her, you know, many outbursts, she will smooth her hair back and go back into her cold, aloof commanding officer routine yes she's it's she is doing everything she can to project this image of of control and power and and um cold calculation she is uh she she is positioning herself to be better hordak to the point that she literally uh, more or less uh, usurps the man and takes his seat. And she, she, is, she is trying to fill that seat as much as she can. Yes, this is, this is Catra's coronation. She is, she is basically cowed Hordak into uh, treating her as an equal. Like, we, we are leaders of the Horde now, all right? What we're going to do is we're going to conquer the planet before Horde Prime gets here, so he will uh, he will not see us as failures, because I'm not a failure. I have never failed at anything in my life, ever. Yeah, don't worry about it. That's never happened. Shut up. And uh, this is also paralleled with Glimmer's similar declaration of war. She is, she is tired of this. She's going to bring it to the Horde. They're gonna, they're, the, the war will end under her reign, is what she promises, basically. Yeah, she basically, her, like, literally, she sits down in the throne. Both of them do, actually. It's this really interesting parallel where literally the second they sit down in the throne and are given power, the first thing they do is say, we're going to war right now. And this is the interesting part about season four. So previously, it has all been about Catra and Adora. That relationship has kind of been severed a little bit. Uh, at the end of the portal episodes yes it has if if anything at this point for season four the two primary characters the two people in control of the story um are glimmer and catra and they are they are set up in this episode this episode is a lot of setup it is basically a bunch of characters stating their thesis statements uh for season four Yes, and so they will be uh, foils for the rest of season four. Like, I don't think it's really super spoiler to say that Adora and Catra literally have one conversation this entire season. Like, they do not interact at all, which is very interesting. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I uh, I it's there's there's a lot of cool stuff that comes out of this and I, I'm very excited to, to get to it yeah but uh, we will uh, start uh, getting to that cool stuff next week which by the way we didn't even mention new intro um, we've got a new horde like splash screen we got Catra's new look uh, Hordak has some kind of Mega Man arm 
Uh, Horde Prime is over there on the other side, and there's some mysterious lizard person on on the uh, the left side of the screen there. Yeah, I wonder I wonder when they're gonna get into the picture. We'll we'll find out. We'll find out. But uh, before we do that, we do have a couple of questions. I always love the questions from all over the place. So let's hit Twitter first. From Octopus in the Neighborhood at Frankentrapta. Uh, to uh, a double question here. Number one, do you think Hornak thinks Trapta in Trapta left because he yelled at her the last time they interacted? I would not be surprised if Hordak thinks he somewhere in there thinks he ruined the only real friendship he's ever managed to build because he 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 was very like loud he, he did yell at her the last time because he was he was in full like dictator mode with adora in the room yeah no i i feel like i feel like he he might have some thoughts about that i think that they are contained within a whirling vortex of many other thoughts of which he is woefully unprepared to deal with oh no yes uh that man does not know how to deal with his emotions um <laughs> he's he's woefully underprepared for any of the stuff that is going on in his brain right now so uh <laughs> it's a good thing he's working with katra someone who's really good at dealing with her emotions yeah right like i'm and sure in very healthy ways yeah i'm sure they're both gonna come out of this just just doing just fine uh number two why aren't the other princesses queens? I don't remember hearing anything about their parents. Uh, I mean, this is one of those things, right, where the show just doesn't get into it. I imagine that, I mean, there, there could be any number of reasons why um, you could have a situation where, like, princess as a title is is different in other kingdoms you could have like it, maybe it's like ceremonial you could have like a parent that's just kind of off screen maybe maybe all these kingdoms are like technically vassal states of bright moon and like they all have to answer to like the singular queen like it's a friggin like holy roman empire situation who's to say i'll tell you why it's branding they're the princess alliance they can't start calling themselves queens then they'd have to call themselves the Queen Alliance, which just sounds terrible. It does just sound terrible. And, I mean, I mean, let's be real. The real answer is that the show is called The Princesses of Power. They started making people queens and they couldn't, like, it's... The Queens of Power is just not as sellable to, like, an audience of, of young girls, you know? It's, it's, it's marketing. And frankly, it just doesn't sound as good. It really doesn't. So we do have a couple of curious cats over here, curious catchers, both from anonymous users. This one is from November 1st. And listen, whoever sent this in, I know you might think we, we didn't see it, but I've just been waiting for it to be relevant. Oh, no, yes. We've been sitting on this one for a grip, but uh, but we are getting into it now. Why doesn't Cassispella step in uh, as, as Glimmer's motherly figure after her mom dies? Now, there's a few reasons for this. One, that's just not who Cassispella is. She's an aunt... I, she's never had any kids of her own. She's a she's someone who runs Mysticore. I don't think she would be particularly good at helping another human being, as 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 demonstrated in this episode. Yes, no, she's. I don't think that she would make a very good like mom to Glimmer specifically. I think that would be not ideal. 
like at all. It's just not something that I think she's even equipped to handle. She is also, like I said, the the sort of ruler of Mysticor, which means she has her own set of responsibilities. She couldn't be there all the time. And also, at this point, Glimmer is kind of coming into her own. As she's growing up, she's she's sort of she is stepping into the role as queen that she would have gone stepped into eventually. And uh, I don't think I think Castispella would have just held her back. Yeah, I think that's definitely a very good point. I think that um, just from a narrative perspective, it's like you wouldn't want because that that would feel like a step backwards a little bit. I think, um, but from a character perspective, I think also there's just the angle of like Caspel does have her own stuff going on and you know it's and she's just I don't think interested like as a person in in taking that up I think that she's like and not not necessarily because she's just disinterested in it but I think because like that as a concept is like I I think that she would be pretty overwhelmed by being put in that position frankly and also, Sandra O oh is probably a little bit more expensive than the other actors. Can't get her for as long. Yeah, yeah. Gotta gotta keep that in mind because <laughs> voice acting is not cheap. Whenever you cast like a bigger name in a role, you have to be aware of the the risks of not being able to get them back. <coughs> bismuth. Yeah, the the sort of bismuth problem. The um. What is, what is the one that Nicki Minaj voiced? Oh, God. That one. Oh, um... It wasn't Sardonyx, was it? No. I can't even remember anymore. It's been so long. Something like but that. But yeah, they, that, that, was a, that was a big problem plaguing Steven Universe. They, they got all these cool stunt casts, but they couldn't get the voice actors yeah. back. They, even, like, Estelle. My understanding is Estelle, like, couldn't... Like they they couldn't get Estelle to do as many lines as like they wanted, so so Garnet just like didn't get as many lines as she should have in the show. Yeah, especially early on, Garnet was very much silent and stoic and wasn't there for a lot of episodes. Yeah, I think she got more as the show went on and they got more money, but definitely early on they couldn't uh, they couldn't really support the Estelle budget. No, they could not. I mean. <laughs> god uh all right so we got one more here and this is this is an interesting one i never really thought about this before um does it ever actually rain in ethereum obviously we have the spore incident which you'll have to keep watching to find out what that means which kind of mirrored a storm but what if that's the only kind of rain they have there was a there was rain right was there i don't remember if there's ever rain i here's what i remember there was lightning over drill during the portal mm-hmm. thing, but there was no rain. I don't think, if I remember correctly, I don't think there's ever been any rain. No, okay, so there there is rain. There is rain in two instances, I believe. Um, instance number one was when the, I think the runestones were going haywire. I'm pretty sure it was raining and storming. Right. Um, there is a second instance of rain but I can't talk about it. Right. But it does happen in this season. So just, you know, keep keep an eye out, dear viewer. You will see rain. So the only other time we saw rain, uh, and obviously we saw blizzards up north, but the only other time we saw rain was during like a huge magical event. So maybe it's hard. 
I don't. The, the weather in Etheria seems pretty temperate. There's not a lot of storms. The spore incident that people are alluding to also doesn't really seem like a weather event. I don't know what that. What's up with that? That seems like a weird forest thing. Yeah, just a weird whispering woods thing. It's a magic forest. It does magic forest things. Don't worry. Don't think about it too hard. Um, I mean, you could say. Well, we can't talk about that either. See, this yeah. is the, we're on the cusp of so many things. But... We're on the cusp of so many things, but but yes, no, there there is there is rain. It does rain. It's just they don't, you know, they they don't do the they don't pull that out too often. Which I mean, it makes sense, right? Like rain, rain is visual shorthand. You you want to pull it out when like you have a reason to like narratively i mean like rain is also just a thing that happens but like it, it's usually visual shorthand for stuff so yeah such as big dramatic finale yeah such as big dramatic finale or just big dramatic anything really but uh with that that'll end our questions and thus the the sort of first half of our episode yes yes indeed um I guess, uh, why don't you remind our dear viewers about where you can find our funny internet presences. You can find uh, the podcast over at Podcasts of Power on Twitter. You can uh, also find us on Tumblr. We don't really use it, though. Yeah, we got a Curious Cat. If you have a longer uh, thing you want to send us... Uh, you can send us over at uh, potapower at gmail.com for, you know, emails and stuff. We always do the big email roundup after every season. Uh, I have a feeling the one after season four is going to be juicy. Oh, yes. We also have a Patreon. Yes, that's going to be at patreon.com slash potofpower. Uh, we have uh, two different tiers. We have a $1 and a $3 tier. And if you uh, shoot us with that $3 tier you gain access to quite a lot of fun content. Uh, for example, we have uh, two bonus casts, the uh, Kipo cast and the Owl cast, where we watch Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts and the Owl House, respectively, both very fun. Uh, sometimes we do uh, bonus episodes. We did one on that uh, Legend of the Flame Princess comic. Um, we've got uh, several other offerings as well that we're uh, kind of working towards with our our stretch goals we've actually hit two of them we're only miss we're, we're only working towards one now so in addition to all the other stuff our, our side shows our uh minisodes which we should have one up soon on that annotated save the cat script they released um and also maybe we can do one about the spotify playlists that noel stevenson made for all the characters oh that'd be fun those could be fun um because there's some very funny there's some very funny choices on that but in addition to all of this we also have a few things we deliver every month we've got a a fan work aggregate video podcast thingamawidget called the watchtower yes that's uh that is the first episode which is coming it's it's been it's been delayed a bit (laughs) by the time this goes up it should be out um yeah here's a pro there's tip. been a lot of technical difficulties yeah pro tip don't use premiere for anything don't use adobe premiere it's not very good uh it's got a lot of problems uh yeah it's not it's not great in addition to that we've got our uh she riffs we haven't put the first one of those up yet 
But, you know, it's just us cracking jokes, doing a riff track style thing over the old She-Ra uh, show. And I don't want to make any promises, but I'm thinking it is the season. Maybe our inaugural episode could be that She-Ra and He-Man Christmas special. Oh, that would be really good. We should do that. That would be That great. one's got Skeletor in it, so. It does have Skeletor. Ah, uh, yeah, we gotta do that one. I am not nice. <sighs> he really is not nice. It's true. And of course, the final stretch goal, seventy-five. if we hit $75 a month, we will be doing a one-shot campaign of the uh, Shira-inspired Firebrands hack called For the Honor. A It is a really cool game. Uh, it's a GM-less TTRPG thing. Um, if, you've, uh, if you want to hear uh, some people play it, you can check out the guest spot I did on an episode of Stranger's Fiction over at Stranger's Fiction Pod on Twitter. I am in the episode called Reunion in the Wilds. They also did another episode. And if you want to just hear a preview of how that stuff goes, you can check that out. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And I am definitely looking forward to that one uh, whenever we, uh, we end up getting to it. And of course, if you're at the $3 level, the Force Captain tier, you get shoutouts in every episode. So thank you to all of our Force Captains here. Ryan Kuhn. Jennifer Jones, Jess Pumphrey, Leon Lay, Sean Montgomery, Jack Onoro, Olivia, Andres Lozano, Brittany Ray, Michael Steinert, Tara Stark, TCO, Murderbot, Brennan Fitzgerald, Tobu, Emma Grossman, Robert Harris, and Danielle DuPont. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for all your continued support. And um, hey, if you want to, you know, tell your friends you know share 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 our our wonderful content uh with the world feel free to you know word, word of mouth is kind of uh kind of our only advertisement at this point so yeah super would appreciate that as well yes leave a review on itunes or wherever uh you get these podcasts i'm trying to open the apple podcast thing but it's not it doesn't want to open so I can't read any of the reviews uh, we have. Gotta love apps. Gotta love applications. I love, apps. I love web applications that work very well. But yes, yeah, just get a get get the word out. You know, it's we don't we don't have any big networks we're a part of. So uh, if we want to start, you know, yeah, branching out. If you if you're getting friends into Shira, also maybe suggest our podcast to go along with it yeah it's like a, a fine wine to accompany the uh accompany the the program uh but with that that's gonna do it for this uh non-spoiler section uh if you're heading out then have a good one but if you're joining us we'll see you on the other side messed up and by we i mean i yeah we may have forgotten an email from last time we got a lot of emails we get so many emails i just forgot about this one because it was a little bit lower than the other ones but 
we're not that we will make it up here because it, it it somewhat aligns with a lot of the stuff that goes on in season four. Um, so we'll start off with this email from Tobu, uh, our dear patron. So Tobu writes, first off, I wanted to tell you how much I'm enjoying your podcast. I find you through progressive sort of power and I highly value their take on current events, but politics, but sometimes they end up with a slightly low Shira to politics ratio. I spend a lot of time stressing out about politics these days and it's a marvelous escapist joy just to deep dive on each Shira episode with you. Listening to you feels like the best kind of self-care. Well, I thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, um, you know, we try to, we try to obviously, like, keep, you know, current events in mind, obviously, with, with some of the stuff that's going on, like, insularly with, with Shira, but, like, yeah, you know, we're, we're happy to, like, provide, like, a nice, a nice escape just to kind of listen to us bloviate on for, like, an hour and a half about this cartoon, uh. <laughs> Or two hours, or yeah. eventually four hours once we get to the hard episodes. Yeah, however many hours that's going to take. But yeah, you know, we're we're happy to happy to bring a little bit of you know relief to uh, to all that. That said, I apologize in advance if I'm about to ruin one of the funniest parts of the series for you. But recently, I realized something disturbing while we were watching Whiteout. On my first viewing of the series, the first one's virus just seemed like a wacky random plot device to inconvenience the heroes. Everybody loves Drunkadora. She's hilarious. But on my second viewing, after learning about Mara's Rebellion, it is worrying me a lot that the first ones had developed technology that interfaces with the sort of protection to incapacitate the current She-Ra. It does not seem like an accident that this virus rendered her physically helpless and mentally disoriented while powered down and turned her into a mindless berserker while powered up. I mean, can you think of a better way to get a rebel She-Ra permanently back under your control? Could you imagine the fresh hell the first ones could have unleashed if they had successfully used this thing to imprison and weaponize Mara? What are your thoughts? Am I way off base here? Not at all. I think this is pretty spot on to what that thing is. Yeah, I think so too. Like, originally, I feel... I don't know. My, my original theory um, was that the virus might have been an invention of the First Rebellion to, like, try and incapacitate, like the the first ones like robotics you know try and get them to kind of go in a frenzy and attack each other but it's also entirely possible that it was designed to like kind of corrupt the sort of protection from the other side i i could see it going either way yeah it's it's difficult because we never get any confirmation on it it could be that this was a first ones project that the rebellion stole and tried to reverse engineer and just or just decided they couldn't risk having them keep it and so they just straight up stole it but yes the implications of the first one's virus are really weird and it's an aspect that is never really explored no it's it's kind of left um it's kind of left unsaid like exactly what it was what its purpose was like where it kind of fits into the larger like game that was being played all all the way back then um there's really not a whole lot that we know for sure about the rebellion. Like we know about the existence of rebel squadron, gray skull. We know about what Mara tells us, but other than that, we, we just don't know that much, you know, obviously they had some ability to hack and like, deal with the first ones like computer systems like you know we find out with um 
that like older version of the light hope operating system that they use to like uh guard the the entrance to the to the fail safe like you know it's it's weird like it's weird yeah we'll never get any answers to any of this of course because the first ones are long dead and all they have left behind are ruins Mm -hmm. but uh it's an interesting aspect to think about for sure it is it is i think i think definitely it could have been like a first one's a first one's like attempt to control shira even harder like just going skipping straight from like like mental conditioning to just mind control basically like yeah it's it'd be very 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 sinister if that's the implication and it very well could be um so that'll do it for that uh, email once again sorry about missing that the hopper got very full um but that's not the only thing we're here to talk about no it isn't so the other thing that um is i think important about this episode the coronation specifically um, so I said earlier that this episode is largely set up, and in it, there is a large amount of just people stating their thesis statements for season four. And um, Adora definitely does this because there's there is a point during the big emotional sort of out, outburst moment um, between Adora and Glimmer, where Adora says, you know, she 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 tells glimmer what she was doing you know she was trying to not make her upset she thought that it would really hurt to talk about um angela's death and she very specifically says you know she she's like i'm supposed to be the one to protect you that's what i promised and that statement is like this is kind of the moment where Adora's own kind of mental state just really starts to spiral super bad. So over the course of this season, she attempts to fulfill that promise in varying ways. But Glimmer is also doing her own thing. She also has her own goals and ambitions. And so for most of the season, they're really rubbing against each other in the wrong ways. They're undergoing a lot of friction. Um, they get really nasty with each other at certain points in the season. Like, the claws come out. In, in, not not in a catra way, where the literal claws are coming out to slash at your face, but it, like in a verbal way. Um, and like, I think Adora takes a lot of the blame for not stopping Glimmer's attempts to use the heart. Even though there was really no way she would have listened. Like glimmer at that point her her mind was made up she was so focused on ending the war and 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 too busy listening to shadow weaver's machinations that she was convinced the only thing to do was use this super weapon to end it for good because though she she could feel the the galactic horde breathing down their necks yeah but no adora definitely doesn't see it that way like adora spends all of season four feeling like everything that's happening is directly her fault because she is failing to protect glimmer like most of the friction that is happening between them is because adora is taking this position as her protector instead of as a as her as her friend and and that's causing a lot of interpersonal drama and like when it comes down to it because that's the position that she had been taking all season 
when it comes down to the point where Adora is telling her, this is the wrong decision, you have to stop, you know, Glimmer doesn't listen. And that, you know, and that's not just because she's being headstrong and because she's like been convinced of this and she feels backed into a corner, but because she feels like she can't trust the things her friend is telling her anymore. And, you know, she doesn't feel like her friend is supporting her and is now at this point only trying to get to, you know, is, is trying to speak over her and make decisions for her. And she does not, she's not willing to tolerate that. You know, she's not willing to tolerate being talked down to like a child. And that's what she feels like has been happening. And, you know, this, and, and, and Adora ends up, of course, taking that really hard because she blames herself entirely for for that outcome for uh glimmer getting captured like that entire thing like there there's she stops being able to sleep at one point yeah she is literally just throwing herself into these incredibly dangerous fights in the beginning of season five with no magical abilities wielding nothing but a staff constantly almost getting killed not sleeping and everyone around her is just looking around like is she okay and the answer is no no No. not even not even slightly not even a little bit and like and all of this just keeps building and building and building and she is taking on more and more and more responsibility internally like as all this is happening things are ramping up right she loses the sword but that but losing the sword makes it even more her responsibility to to figure out how to get shira back and then she gets shira back but now she has so much responsibility to take care of the horde problem and then she has to take care of the heart of etheria problem and then she gets to the point where she's being like okay i have to die for this and it's just like every consecutive step being taken is just pushing her deeper and deeper and deeper into this mindset of that she has to just keep being everyone's protector she has to be she has to take every hit on the chin she has to be the person to hold up the world she is the atlas and she cannot let the the world fall um but you know it's like you gotta she she has to realize that atlas isn't real yeah she has to realize that she's not alone and that everyone else is also here for her and that she can't just like abandon everything to die to save the world and we'll talk we can't talk about it we can't talk about it we can't we we, we broke the seal on that fucking folder already once we can't do it again it's it's this is not this is not the time not talking about it we're not talking about the kiss but we're 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 so close we are tantalizingly close we have only two seasons of television left until that yeah two two seasons of television left but that's not a long time we've we we are in the home stretch of this of this television series right now we got like two or three months left probably yeah no we are going we are going to be be wrapping this up by springtime probably yep springtime uh next year Maybe by then we'll be able to record an episode in person. Oh, maybe. That will be fun. But uh, until that fabled time of March 2021, it's so distant. I, 
I can bar- I can barely I can barely conceptualize it. But uh, we'll have to keep the seal wrapped tight around that that folder that just says heart. Yes, just a, just a photo of a heart, really. It's just a photo of a heart. Um, we will we will get there eventually, but not yet. We have a bunch of season four to get through. We do, and it is quite a fun. Uh, fun season. Well, fun in fun in a very dark way uh, to get through. It's good television. Great. It's good television. I don't know if it's it's fun. I like I like the angst. The angst is great. It's so good. Powerful. But uh, until next week, when we meet a funny a funny trickster named Double Trouble, uh, I have been one of your hosts, Nero, and I've been the other host, Jane. And we will see you on either side of Podcast Spondos.